Welcome to the Wartime Leadership Podcast. This week's guest, American Gladiator, Darren Malibu McBee, and now your host, Nathan Coy. Jeff, I know you were super excited for this week, as I am super excited. Thank you for that introduction. You have the hardest job in the industry by trying to make me sound good, and I know that that's difficult by all means. Hey, listen, today, folks, I am living out a childhood dream growing up in the 80s, growing up in the 90s, watching people think that they were tough against this this group of American gladiators. And let me tell you, Malibu was the baddest of them all when it came to the wall because the man is still undefeated in the wall. And let me tell you, folks, today, the only thing being defeated today is the devil. So that's awesome. Hey, Darren McBee, how you doing, sir? Fantastic intro. I love that. Any chance we get to shine for the Lord and kick the devil's butt? That's a really good question. And so it's a beautiful day, man. Hey, bring it on. Hey, listen, I, I am so excited. You and I have been going back and forth, having conversations and, and I love the fact that I'm able to just kind of reach out and text you and, and how real you are as a person. Oh, thank you, bro. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Well, I think that sometimes people get so caught up in either what they were, how they were, and who they think they should be, yeah. that they lose the realness of who they are. Yes. Yes. You know, it, it's interesting if you say, I don't mean to interrupt you, but that that's such a good point. You know, being working in Hollywood for 25 years and even with the gladiators, um, I've seen egos just become monstrous. And it's really a sad thing because if really, if you're not anchored to the Lord or, or got God in your life as somebody to worship and serve, then what are you going to serve next? The mighty me, you know, it, it's the, the, the triple triune God of me, myself and I. And that's the problem every single time with people that uh, start believing their own press, so to speak. And so to me, um, I just, I just praise God um, that he keeps me leveled and, and uh, you know, somewhat humble. So some, I like how you say that somewhat humble because <laughs> you got to have a little bit of uh, you know, je ne sais quoi about yeah. yourself, right? <laughs> that's, that's the easy way of saying it. Hey, before we get going too deep into this, we're going to start, Darren, with five easy questions. And I promise you, they're easy-ish. What is easy. your favorite season? Favorite season? Oh, that's easy. It was number one, man. That was a, that's the first season. That's a season that really kind of marked my uh, getting marked on the board when I got crushed on the human cannonball and national TV. So definitely season number one. I wasn't going to say it. I mean, I, I watched it. And, and, it, and I mean, you looked really like you, you had a smile on your face. You're like, Ugh. <laughs> all right. What's the most inspirational saying you have ever heard? Wow. Well, I, that's a, there's a lot of laundry list of things I could say. I, I just, I think, um, was when my father-in-law looked at me and said, son, you have a destiny on your life. And, uh, I've, I've seen it. And, um, you know, you're going to be doing um, great and mighty things to the Lord. And this is before I really, I ever was getting any kind of notoriety or fame at all. And uh, I'd been praying and praying and praying and asking God to, you know, just show me the way and guide my steps. But I always had this vision for what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go and how I wanted to glorify him. So uh, when he said that to me, um, I just... It rocked my world because this man was a mighty man of God, and he still is. I, I, at 80 years old, he preaches like a house on fire. 
So, uh, <laughs> you know, he's just always been an ins- inspiration to me for sure. Well, that's, that's awesome. Do you have any pet peeves? Pet peeves, yes. <laughs> Probably what like 90% of people in, in this world have. Uh, tailgaters drive me crazy. Uh, crazy. Given where you live, that's, that's, yeah. uh, that's pretty usual. Yeah, it's like every day. It's like, you know what I mean? It's, and it's like they, they'll do everything they can to make you're right up on your bumper. And I feel like, man, if I sneeze, this guy's going to rear end me, you know? And it's, it's, <laughs> so it's just nuts. And, and you're bumper to bumper traffic anyway. So it's like, where are you going, buddy? You know, like, where do you think you got to go? So you're not going to yeah. get there two inches faster. I'm just saying. So I do a lot yeah. of repenting on the freeway. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Our Father who art in heaven, <laughs> I will not be thy name. Hey, listen. <laughs> hey, listen. I live in the South, and let me tell you, it's it, it, at least people smile as they do it here. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. they tailgate, but they smile as they do it. But the other hey, thing is- too, though, is. If you get too mad at these tailgaters, these guys will just pull a gun on you or something. I mean, it's crazy in L.A., right? You can't just mm-hmm. have a civil, let's get out of the car and scream at each other for five minutes. No, it's like they just pull out a big old forty-four Magnum and say, all right, now what do you have to say about that, buddy? So, yeah. yeah. I'm going <laughs> to see Jesus? I don't know what you mean. Hey, what is the best day that you would relive over and over again? Wow. Um, whoa. Man, some of these aren't easy because I got I, I got a treasure trove of things I think about. Probably the day I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior when I was 13 years old in a bungalow at First Baptist Church of uh, Van Nuys, California. I mean, um, that was the day I surrendered my life to the Lord. And, you know, it's one of these things that, and I'll probably share a little bit more about my life, but I just knew that God loved me since I can remember far back as I can remember. So to me, it was just a natural transition when I was 13. I really understood what I was doing, and I really understood who the Lord was. And, and uh, it was definitely the greatest day in my life because everything changed. I became a new creation, and, uh, and God became my father. So that would have to be it. And, and definitely, no matter how far you run, you can't run far enough. Never. Hey, final question. If you could invite five people, dead or alive, to dinner, who would you invite? David, Paul, John, the Apostle John, Jesus Christ, of course, and it probably Moses or Ezekiel. Or Enoch, though. See, you got me tough because Enoch is a pretty interesting guy. I mean, you know, like how did that happen? You just got translated to heaven, you know? So, yeah, read those guys for sure. How would you like to have been there, like just as – Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like you're looking underneath the table, just kind of looking around. Exactly. You know what I mean? It, it was almost like a pre-rapture kind of a, a situation where he literally yeah. just got translated up to heaven. I mean, how cool would that be, you know? Yeah. So especially in those times, because those are some wicked times that he was living in. And uh, so, yeah, that would, you know, that'd be it. And uh, just all those guys are just so amazing. You know, question yeah. for David, you know, but anyways, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would love to pick, I would love to pick the brain of David. Just, just to think, right? what were you thinking? Yes. And then yes. Also, what were you thinking? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, you yeah, right. either which way. Right. All right. Hey, Darren, already amazing. Already great. See, those were the easy ish ones out of the way. Yeah, okay. So why don't you give us your background? Kind of walk us through uh, how you transitioned. It's your time. Take it. Uh, Give us your testimony, brother. 
Sure. Um, thank you. Thank you so much, Nate. Um, so I really was born into an amazing family. My father, excuse me, my grandfather was a singer um, who traveled around the, the country singing gospel music. So he actually sang uh, in the 1960s for John F. Kennedy on, on the White House lawn. And uh, it was pretty cool. So his name was Bill Carl. He was pretty famous, baritone singer, just this booming, beautiful baritone voice. And uh, my grandmother, this is such a cool story. My grandmother was working in the circus. Now, a lot of young people don't understand what the circus is anymore. And, you know, you have the, the lions and the tigers and the elephants and the clowns. And, you know, that's typical circus. But they have these high wire racks that my grandma did. She was about four foot ten. And they would do this thing where there'd be a pole and you'd, these women would swing around this pole like a merry-go-round, but they, she was holding on and tethered by biting her teeth on a mouthpiece. So she was flying through the air, spinning around, and just going around and around. Well, as, as uh, I don't want to say fate has it, but as God ha would have it, my grandfather happened to be visiting the circus at that time, and grandma's tether slipped and literally broke, and she ended up in my grandfather's lap. And so... <laughs> He's like, you guys, listen, he's like, if, if you really wanted a date with me, here's, here's my phone number, right? And I'm going, how smooth is that, right? So the rest is history. Those two were like rocking solid Christians. My grandmother um, just un was an amazing woman. She lived 97 years. And um, wow. so my mom, born into that family, was probably the sweetest, most angelic person on the face of the earth. She marries my father, who's six foot four. He was drafted by the Dodgers. He's a larger-than-life guy. He didn't make it because he got injured. So he became pretty prominent in business. But my dad was the kind of guy when I was growing up that every kid would want to have. He was the kind of dad that, you know, participated in my sports all the time. He always encouraged me. He would kiss me, you know, goodnight every day and told me he was proud of me. And so he was like my superhero growing up. I mean, just everything a boy could want. Um, mm -hmm. And then when I turned 11... Something very strange happened. My, my dad's best friends, Mickey and Pete, were getting a divorce. And I remember my dad kind of explaining divorce to me. And that was kind of rare back in the 70s, right? It was just not something that happened as often. So I said, my dad, would you ever, you know, would you ever leave my mom? And he looked me in the eyes and goes, son, no, I never would leave your mom. And I think a lot of kids, if they go to church and they hear about God, in heaven, God the Father, they always equate God the Father with their earthly father. That's just a natural connection to make for lots yeah. of kids. And I've I've spoken to thousands of them. So it's very easy when they were talking when I was going to church and hear about God the Father, I'm thinking, well, here's this guy, this loving guy, he kissed me tonight. And I really trust my God in heaven. And six months later, after my dad said I would never leave your mother, he pulled over and told me, I'm leaving your mother. And so he yeah, exactly. And, and I was I was literally devastated. I was so hurt. We were about two miles from my house that I got out of my car, my dad's car, and I ran home. By the time I got there, I hear my mother weeping to my father going, you know, how, how could you leave our kids? And how could you do this to Darren? And she's just weeping. And my father felt so bad about what he did. Um, he walked right by me and he never said goodbye to me. Um, and at that point, my relationship with my father was never the same again. I think he was so guilt-ridden over what he did. He couldn't face me. Um, he wasn't telling me he loved me anymore. And so suddenly, this larger-than-life superhero dad that I had 
um, abandoned me, abandoned my mom, abandoned my brother and sister, and I felt immediately abandoned by God. So I had this terrible complex of fear that God in heaven was going to shoot me with a lightning bolt and just obliterate me if I sinned one little bit. Yeah, because um, now it had become the image of what your dad looked like. That's exactly right. Exactly right. So um, at any rate, I I was really broken, and I, I literally started watching the, the horrible toll divorce takes on a family. I mean, it's, it's devastating no matter what happens. The best divorces are devastating if you've got kids involved. And a 12-year-old boy at that time, that is the – the greatest age for a young man to bond with his father or whether he's starting to get his, his feelings of self-worth and self-value and things like that. And um, all of a sudden it was like, I watched my mom fall apart. This beautiful, loving woman, she became an alcoholic. And my dad goes off and marries another woman and raises her children like they're her own. Forget about Darren, you know, forget about his kids. And so I was devastated. And yet, as I'm watching my mom fall apart, I'm thinking, what can I do to win my daddy back? And what mm-hmm. can I do to get right with my heavenly father? Um, I, I trusted Jesus. I, I believed in Jesus. And, but uh, I was still scared. I didn't understand that whole connection between Father God and me after what my dad did. So my whole goal when I was young was how am I going to win my dad back? And, um, and how can I win God back, basically? And you're 13 year old, you don't, you know, you don't think, right? You're just a kid. So I thought I'll, I'll make myself a great athlete. And basically what I did is I got involved in sports. And back in those days, there was a sport called racquetball that was super popular. And um, yeah, so it was, it was a big deal. Anyways, I became one of the top 10 players in the world in that sport. And, you know, by magical thinking, I think dad, maybe, maybe dad will come back for me. And of course he didn't, that didn't win him back. And mom, of course, was still drinking, which is breaking my heart into a thousand pieces. My sister was devastated, um, and she still never recovered from my dad leaving her because he never lifted her up, told her he loved her. So that just destroys a little girl. When a little girl's father does that to her, it's absolutely devastating. So I'll try and speed this up a little bit. Anyway, so I, the next thing I think I'm going to do is, you know, I'll be a, I'll be a cop because everybody loves cops. So I thought. Um, and my dad don't think of cop school, right? So I became a uh, LA County Sheriff. Um, I went to the police Olympics and the World Police and Fire Olympics. I won gold medals in those. I was just excelling, again, trying to get the approval of my father um, and trying to get the approval of God. And as you know, you know what religion is, is us trying to reach up and bring God down to us. Whereas relationship is God coming down and dying on the cross for us because he loves us. And I was so caught up in religion, but I didn't understand it at the time. So I was praying for my mom. I was praying, you know, please get my dad back. And um, finally I thought, okay, last thing, I, it's going to be an actor because that's got to be cool to be an actor, right? So mm-hmm. I trained really hard. I grew my hair long. And um, I saw this ad for this crazy show called American Gladiators. And at almost the exact same time, I saw this ad at Universal Studios for the Adventures of Conan show, which was there. So I actually ended up getting both jobs. I was Conan on the upper lot, and I was doing the American Gladiators on the lower lot of Universal Studios. And man, it was like living a dream. It was like literally living a dream. So, but I got to the pinnacle of my life when I'm thinking, okay, my dad's not coming back. 
And so what I finally did is I did what I should have done before is I dropped on my knees and I said, Lord God, please forgive me. I don't know you. I want to know you. You said you're my heavenly father. Please, please, please come in and, and heal my heart and heal my mom if you can. And if you can win my father back somehow with me, that would be awesome. Well, literally within one year, my mom stopped drinking, just completely quit drinking. So that was an amazing miracle. Um, meanwhile, I'm doing this show. I'm, I'm living a dream. I'm finally starting to get close with my Heavenly Father. And what he did, which was amazing, I, I, I was one of the guy, in, in, just to digress, one guy in high school that never read a book in high school, but I still got B's and stuff. And I got away with that. Yeah, but God I, put I this, still like you all. Right. I, so God put it on my heart to start reading, which I never read before. But now, even to this day, um, I've read, you know, probably a couple thousand books and several times. <clears throat> and they're all theologically based books and relational based that all Christianity stuff. And he really brought me closer to him and really got me to a place where he blessed my ministry on account of it. And so after that, I got involved with a group called the Power Team, which was a great evangelistic group. Remember those guys? No, um, we, there it is. There it is. Yeah, we rip, ripping phone books and uh, blowing up hot water bottles and breaking bricks on fire all for Jesus. And But it was really cool because you're using that stuff as bait, right? And Jesus talks about being fishers of men. So what do you put on the, a hook? You put bait on the hook. That's what gets the people in, right? So that's basically all, all those crazy things were just bait to get the people. And then we preach a solid gospel message to them. So as time is going by, my acting career is starting to take off. I get married to this absolutely stunningly beautiful gal, um, which is really cool. They put a little scene for us in that ESPN documentary. There was the cutest scene of me, my wife, and yeah. our two kids. It was really touching. And um, so at any rate, she was young. I'm doing great. Our career is on fire. I'm thinking my ministry is set. I'm going to be an actor in Hollywood. I'm going to be glorifying God with a ministry for the rest of my life. It's awesome. I'm making fantastic money. I've got two beautiful little girls. And um, suddenly something devastating happened. My wife um, dropped dead of a heart attack at the age of 36 years old. Um, and I want to say it's either 35 or 36. Um, but I get a call from my father-in-law. And he says, son, your, your wife is gone. And I just remember thinking, man, I, 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 where did she go? You know what I mean? I was like, what did she leave me? Where did she go to? And then he said that she passed away. So obviously my life took a huge shift from there. And um, now where, so what, where were you when you got that call from him? So, yeah, I, I was doing ministry, actually. I was doing um, some ministry stuff. And so I get a call. I wasn't far away. I think it was in Bakersfield. And um I, I hear that from him and I just drop everything, obviously. And I had to literally go identify the body at, at the LA hospital she was at. And, you know, <clears throat> obviously I broke down in tears. It was just so crushing to see her uh, laying on that gurney. And uh, just like she was, I mean, it was literally like she was sleeping. And um, then I, I, you know, I fell apart. My, my father-in-law is consoling me and that's his daughter right there. And um, anyways, I, I went home and had my mom and dad come over to my house, and I had to tell my girls what happened. And Ashley, my oldest, was six at the time, and Kylie was two. So Kylie, you know, was just getting to know who her mommy was. And telling them, you know, Ashley, of course, fell apart. She absolutely fell apart. 
And Kylie, um, you know, what does that mean? You know, where's mommy going? I said, well, mommy's in heaven now. And, and um, she's not coming back with us anymore. And so she cried a little bit, but she didn't quite understand. And I said, honey, you know, she's, we're just not going to see mommy again until we get to heaven. So both my girls I knew were going to grow up without a mother. So <clears throat> I was confronted with a very tough choice at that point. And that was either go on, be Mr. Actor, you know, Mr. Stuntman, make all that money and have a nanny raise your girls and see them whenever. Or you're going to have to really cut back the acting and all that stuff and be a father to your daughters. And it was like God made it so clear to me, Nate. God, It was like God said, you put your money or your faith where your mouth is because you've talked in Jesus and, and all this stuff about how great I am. Are you going to be a dad and raise those kids? Or are you, or are you just going to follow your ego and your dreams? And it was simple after that. I said, I'm raising my girls. And so um, I, I pretty much quit doing a lot of the Hollywood stuff. I do some ministry stuff here and there. Um, I did some, some Hollywood things when I could make some money to you know, feed our family. Um, but I decided I'm going to raise those girls. And uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, that's what I did for probably the next. Give me one second. Yeah, and probably you know, the next. This is this is one of the amazing points to be able to hit on is that Hollywood wants to keep you there, wants to keep you you going in that direction. Yeah, but that's a, that's a tough. I mean, to to some people, it's a tough choice, right? Because they get drawn sure. to the idea of Hollywood. But for somebody like you, based in you know, a solid foundation being dad was the only answer. Yes. Yeah. And, and you're right. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to say it was the easiest transition in the world because I worked hard to get where I was. You know, I, mm -hmm. I studied hard with the acting. I did, I really worked for it, but you know, once I started resigned myself to this, is what I'm going to do with my kids, it was so easy from that point on. I mean, I love being a dad. It was the most joyful experience of my life. There's not one diaper that I would not want to change again. Not one moment, you know, that I would take back. It was just precious to me. So um, I'm so thankful that I did that, you know, and I look back and go, you know what? I, I didn't miss anything. I didn't miss anything in Hollywood, you know? And so <clears throat> I did another job and I, so just to backtrack a little bit. When I did the gladiators, I told you, I took that ferocious hit um, on the human cannibal the first day. Well, yeah. What people don't know is I got a severe concussion from that and then literally had 24 plastic surgery stitches on my head. And the concussion is something where the, the doctor said, if it happens again, it could easily kill you because your brain is swelling. And uh, I had to beg him to go back and do the show. Wow. Um, but anyways, after that happened, I broke my ribs on the gladiators. I tore my bicep on the gladiators. I broke my back in a movie I did. I did a film with Chuck Norris and, he put me in a headlock and accidentally fractured a vertebrae in my neck. So I've got all these injuries I mean, that. That's a, I mean, if you're going to get an injury, you know, <laughs> let it be Chuck right. Norris, you know. Okay. So I got to tell you something. I, I got to brag on myself because I think this is so cool. Um, about five, man, long ago, six, seven years ago, Chuck calls me up and uh, he's already had me in a movie by then and another thing. He said, listen, how would you like to be my bodyguard for a, a weekend? Yes, me, Chuck Norris's bodyguard. How cool is that? Hey, hey, so, hey, 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 listen, folks. I have Chuck Norris's bodyguard. Like, he is right? so bad that I've got Chuck <laughs> Norris's bodyguard on this episode. You're welcome. Right. 
Don't mind the fact that your 15-year-old could probably kick my fanny with his martial arts because I never took a bunch of martial arts like that, you know. I trained in a bunch of different styles so it could be good for camera, but it was just hilarious. I was, I was so tickled that they I could do that. They probably had you on there just to slow down anyone just so he could oh, get yeah. to them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was oh yeah. No, no doubt about it. Yeah. So it was really fun. Anyways, um, I did another movie, and this is the one that, that really – hurt me the worst uh in the sense that it kind of exacerbated all my other injuries it just made them worse and i was jumped out of a um kind of a window onto the floor and i hit the floor my femur bone uh went up into my hip and i crushed my hip socket so that pain was so devastating i literally could not step into the shower Mm. um and so this kind of transitioned to the next chapter part of my life, which was not a a really good time for me. Um, I was so hurt. And then the injury, the pain was so bad that depression started setting in. And once the depression started setting in, one second. Yeah. Mm. Once the depression started setting in, I, I finally, which I never should have done, I went to my fourth orthopedic surgeon and for five years prior to that, I've been turning down painkillers every single time. For some reason, I allowed him to talk me into taking this painkiller that he swore to me wasn't going to be addictive, which is called Oxycontin. Of course, we know now it's totally addictive. Highly, yeah. So within two months, Nate, I was so addicted to this stuff and got hooked on it. and. I spent five years in a fog of medicated haze and uh, Nate, it got to a place where I was on my living room floor, knowing how badly I failed my daughter who I laid my life down for prior to that, that um, I started praying to God and I said, God, I'm in so much pain. I can't even take two steps without wanting to cry. I said, I feel miserable. I'm too much of a coward to kill myself, but you can take me home now, please. Cause I'm done. I'm, I'm worthless. Um, I'm, I, I don't have me love me anymore. My wife is gone. Uh, I hadn't dated in <clears throat> 13 years, uh, by my choice and made celibate that whole time. So, <clears throat> so this is tough. So God, if you can deliver me and I know you can, I'll, I'll give you my life back. I'll get off these drugs. I said, but just help me. Help me, God. I can't do this. You got to help me get off these drugs. I'm going to get my surgery that I need. I get a hip replacement surgery. I'll get it done. And then, God, I'll go to rehab. But you got to help me, please. Hmm. So I did it. <clears throat> I got my surgery. I got the hip replacement. Replacement. All was going good. After a month, I got a total systemic, uh, systemic infection from my hip. God. I was in. I woke up one morning and that hip was so swollen, it looked like half a grapefruit was stuck to my leg and it was red. Oh my so goodness. next thing I know, I was in the emergency room, surgery the next day, new hip, five months of different antibiotics were going through my body to try and kill this horrible infection. And the doctor said, Darren, three things are going to happen. You're going to lose your leg, you're going to die, or you're going to be okay. And I had to face that and listen to that, and it obviously broke my heart. So 
I prayed and prayed and prayed. Um, unfortunately, I got re-addicted to the painkillers again. And uh, I'm praying again. I said, God, I, I did not expect this horrible thing to come upon me. Please, you can heal. You can heal me. But this time I had a fighting spirit. I was gonna, I was gonna fight this thing. So by the grace of God, five months later, the wound that would not finally heal because of the infection finally healed. Hmm. Went back to rehab, and God delivered me. And uh, I've been five years clean and sober today. And my ministry and my life with Christ is sweeter and better and stronger than it's ever been. See, and I think I think a lot of the time for me. I always ask to have a uh, to have a testimony. Like I felt like I didn't really have one, and it wasn't until we adopted our son that I really felt like my testimony was becoming was because of the fact that I was becoming a part of someone else's. And then with the start of this podcast, it's kind of become that way as well, where now I get to be a part of somebody else's testimony. So you you've alluded a lot to the spiritual side to to Christ and and stuff. Hey warrior, sorry for the interruption. During this part of the broadcast, Malibu had some technical difficulties, so we had to cut a little bit. Please enjoy the rest of the show. And to be able to use your testimony to walk alongside with someone through what they think is their darkest moment and hopefully is their darkest moment to be able to get to the light side of things. That's the important side. And, and I, and I'm, I'm grateful for you, Darren. Uh, a, a lot of people could have given up. Could yeah. have quit. And I've, I've actually seen yeah. friends commit suicide, right? Like I've, I've walked through what that looked like in their lives. Right. And, and we had to experience that. It's not an easy thing to go through. And no. even people who are on the top of their game doing things like that in a, in a moment, making a quick decision. But you being yep. able to come alongside them and say, I was there. Yep. Let me show you the way out. That's right. No, it, it, it's true because, like I told you, I, when I was saying that prayer, I was at the bottom. I was literally down at the bottom and... It was like, all right, we're going to either go forward or you can take me to heaven. You know, you can Enoch me out of here because I, I just felt so terrible about what I was, where I was at. I mean, listen, Nate, I, I, got, I was in a place where I did not look at my face in a mirror for a year. I was so disgusted and disappointed in myself, but also how I failed my daughters. Mm. You know, I broke their hearts. And so, you know, part of coming back is like, you got to do the work of win your kids back after that one. But you know what? God is so faithful. I mean, I am in the best relationship with my girls right now. Tomorrow night, I get to, I'm going to go watch John Wick 4 with my daughter at her house with her husband. So it's going to be super. Um, but you just the other thing, too, is, man, you get so thankful for the smallest things. I mean, you, I became so appreciative. Like, like for instance, I, I you know, grabbed a shower today, and I'm just going, thank you, God, for hot water. Mm. Thank you, God. You know, I can sit here and take a shower, man. It's so cool. So, you know what I mean? When you go through that stuff, you have an appreciation for life so much more than you did before. Hey, so, Darren, Darren, think I, about again, this. Again, I just praise God for that. Think about this. A couple of weeks ago, a week or two weeks ago, you got to go to your daughter's graduation. What's that? I, you got to go to your daughter's graduation. 
Yes. You got to do that. And you were there for her in that moment. Yes. That's power. You know, my heart's like pounding. It was so great. I mean, just seeing her face, she was beaming. Um, She loves the Lord with all her heart. She's married to a Christian guy. I mean, it's just such a blessing. God, God is just amazing. And, uh, She's super excited with her life, and I'm so proud of her. Well, now, I just want to kind of revisit a couple of things. I've, I've got so many notes down here, and I have absolutely <laughs> no time to be able to go through them with you and to walk this out. We're going to have to do a second episode. I'm just telling you right now. It's going to happen. Absolutely. It has to happen. Uh, there, When you were with each of the different teams, now, were you kind of the spiritual leader of the Gladiators? Well, there's a, there's a good question. I, I, yes and no. Yes, because I was a Christian and I love the Lord, but no, because none of them were. So, mm. um, unfortunately, you know, you know, that is, man, a lot of times when, you know, you got to imagine everybody in there pretty much had an ego going in. They were all professional bodybuilders or athletes. So they've already got egos going, but it's like I said before, if, if you don't have God in your life, and you're not tethered to the Holy Spirit in you and God and, and Jesus, man, you're, you're going to start worshiping yourself and, and start believing your, in yourself. And so what I noticed was that in the beginning, I was friends with everybody. Everybody loved everybody. But as they started getting more famous, if you will, they started pulling away from me, and <clears throat> crazy things are going on. I mean, um, you could just tell the separation and the divide between heaven and hell. Let's put it that way, because they had no morals, no more compass. And, um, they pretty much hated me because I loved the Lord, which is really sad. Hmm. So unfortunately I would have loved to be a leader, but who do they go to when they're hurting? There you go. There you go. Yeah, you know, and I've I've had a really good conversation with uh, Danny Gassiola, who's a, a really good comedian. He's also a, a retired Air Force tech sergeant, and he's on the comedic you know, on the comedic scene all the time. And he's he's done the Latin Kings of comedy, and he said, you know, these guys get up there and they bash the Christian, and they you know they they make jokes about me being a Christian and other stuff like that. Yep. He said, but the funny thing is, they always called me the chaplain. Right. So on the on the yeah, comedy scene, I go to all these comedy clubs and they're, you know, if they're hurting and going through stuff, they would come to me to pray with them. Right. It's it's the exact same right. thing. I think if you shine differently and there's a you know, I always noticed that there was something different about you on the TV. You know, as I go back and I look and I see the uh, ESPN's 30 for 30. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent documentary, by the way. Thank you. De- I mean, t- it was so good. They had to do two episodes of it absolutely yeah. amazing uh but yeah. you could it, always... was, it was really well done you're right Nate. Yeah. and they, you did such an amazing job and you could see the difference between like you and nitro and laser and all you know you could just yes. see there was something Definitely. about you with the smile yeah yeah and that was it see i think that's what resonated so much with the fans is because they saw malibu just having a good time whether mm-hmm. he, he wins or loses He's just loving life, man. And he's smiling. And, you know, people, they, they love, you know, how as you smile at somebody, they smile back. Yep. So I know when I'm smiling, they're sitting there smiling on the TV too, because it's a natural thing. When someone smiles at you, you're going to smile back. Mm-hmm. And I realized, of course, not till later that 
it was a huge hit with the fans. You know, they loved Malibu. They thought he was a you know really fun guy. So, yeah, it's a, it makes a huge difference yeah. for sure. Well, it's it's amazing for me because you know it, it kind of the documentary kind of ruined a little bit of my childhood just simply because of yeah. some of the stories. But then to have this with you, Darren, to sit down and just have the conversation about what Christ did in and through you because of whose you are, not who you were. That's the Amen. amazing part. That's the amazing part. Amen. And, and, Thank you. And to know that your mother came out of her, her drunken alcoholic uh, state. Yep. Did, did you, the question I still have though, did you ever reconnect with your dad? I was hoping you were going to ask that question about, Here's something, and I, there's another message here, and I got to share this because this is so powerful. Um, I was so upset with my father because of what he did to my mom that I did not forgive that man for the longest time. So as much as I loved him and I wanted him back in my life, I, I was refused to go make up with that guy because he's got to come to me. That was where my head was at. And shame on him for doing what he did. And... All of a sudden, you know, I, and I, I'm, I feel really bad about this, but it took me about 12 years to realize how badly I was sinning by holding that unforgiveness towards my father. Mm -hmm. And what people don't realize is that forgiveness is, it frees the person who's in pain. Like me, you, you're so freed up because when you don't forgive somebody, you are literally balled and chained to that mm. person in the most toxic and unhealthy way. And you can't escape it. Yeah, You can't escape it. It's always there and it makes you bitter. It makes you angry. It causes sickness in the body. And so it took me a long time, but when I finally got it, you bet. I called my dad up and I said, dad, let's get some breakfast together. And I met with them at the International House of Pancakes. And we sat down and I said, dad, let me share you something with you. Uh, share something with you. He got up and started to leave because he thought I was going to blast him again. Hmm. I said, dad, no, no, no. I'm here to apologize to you. And I'm here to ask your forgiveness. And it stopped him dead in his tracks. I go, please sit down. And I went out and said, you know what, dad? I said, I, I treated you terribly and I feel awful about it. And I'm sorry. I have not been a good son to you. And I just want to ask you to forgive me. And that's it. And um, he was just, he was stunned. Because anytime we talk before that, it, we'd be, be butting heads and we'd be fighting. And so we sat down and talked and we start, we reconciled our relationship. I started bonding and, and it was so, it was bittersweet and that we were getting closer, closer, closer. And then my dad passed away. Mm. But the great news is, yes, I reconciled with my father. Yes, we got back together. Yes, we're loving each other again. And it was, it was amazing. So people, people listening to this, if you have somebody that you are, are holding a grudge against or don't forgive, you've got to forgive them. Because remember something, God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Mm. So when you put it in God's hands, he deals with that person. And you let him deal with them any way he sees fit to deal with them. And the other thing was, my father wasn't saved. But when he died... As far as I know and I believe, he accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior towards the end. So God, when God deals with someone, his vengeance may be just take them and turn them into a Christian. Mm. 
And how awesome is that? Man, you, I have goosebumps right now. Like I literally, yep. I, I have goosebumps because just thinking, <laughs> because you went in with the anticipation of one thing, coming out with the outcome of another, and now your dad. Yep. I mean, come yep. on, you can't not yep. like that. No, you know, you know that's God, man. That's so God. And the and one so, thing I wrote down. Yeah. No matter what you did in trying to search for your dad through every other thing, trying to do everything that you could, you became a top 10 racquetball player in the world. You became an American gladiator. You, you became a, a movie star because, I mean, no matter what you did searching for your dad, ultimately it came down to the relationship here before that relationship here ever happened power that's a huge amen and an amen nate that is so absolutely right and it was like i said a little bit earlier when you stopped getting religion and kept trying to bring god down into your world which is tiny and small and bitter and minute and you reach up to him you get heaven and earth along with everything else and so we have got to realize that it's about relationship with him it's about serving him and God is an awesome God, man. He's just awesome. Hey, absolutely. Hey, and you said that you're a reading man now, now, not in high school. Yes. What is a one book recommendation that you might have? I figured I could ask you for that. There's a great book um, by a guy named Frank Turek and Norman Geisler. It's called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. And it's for anybody who wants to either become a stronger, well-equipped apologist or learn how to defend the Christian faith. Or for anybody who doesn't to believe in Christianity or has questions about Christianity, you read this book, and I tell you what, if you're an honest seeker, you'll become a Christian because it leaves no doubt that God is real. I mean, from the foundation of this earth, from the very beginning of this earth, at the Big Bang, well, let's face it, we had nothing. Every scientist will tell you that before the Big Bang, there was nothing. Now, we know something cannot come from nothing. <laughs> then how is it that everything came out of nothing? Well, if there's a Big Bang, there has to be a big banger, and that's God. <laughs> he created everything. Man, Darren, listen, any, any final words? Because I've got I've to wrap this up because I could keep going and going and go but any final words <laughs> that you have for our listeners today yeah you know first of all nate thank you so much for having me man you're just a great dude and i'll tell you straight up man i love you already you're just awesome and uh i'm, I'm so thankful to be here and uh any chance i get to share the word of god and my testimony is the greatest blessing for me but guys anybody listening whatever you got that you think you need to hold on to give it to god hmm. just give it to god he will give you back a thousandfold. I mean, if you think you've got to have this job or this house or whatever, just give it to God, and God will bless you. But make sure every, above everything else that you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and personal Savior, no matter what. And you can do it this second. You dropped your knees, and you just said, Lord, I'm a sinner. I said, I ask you, Jesus Christ, please come into my life. Change my life. I want to become a new creation, and I want you to be my Lord, my Savior, and my Master. And you can do it right now. If you mean it, you will be a new creation in Christ. 
and all things will be made new and all that old stuff, everything you've ever done will be gone. And that, folks, is the final word because it doesn't get any better than that. Darren, thank you so much for sitting down and talking, brother. I truly feel that you're a friend, that you're a brother. I, I feel connected in a lot of different ways, and you really closed the loop on a lot of things that I had questioned for a while. So today's episode is only possible thanks to my friend and producer, G. Frazier, with 369sounddesign.com. Jeff, again, I say it, you're the hardest working man in the industry because you make me sound aight. Uh, we are truly blessed by the entire team here at the Wartime Leadership Podcast. See you next time. Be blessed. <laughs> <laughs>